A lot of you are familiar with the DNA Project and have been rocking with us for a while, but some of you aren't. A lot of you are faithful listeners of the podcast, but aren't familiar with some of the other work that we do. So I just want to take a quick moment to explain to you a little bit more of what we do. So you're getting married, or you have a friend, a cousin, a sister, somebody you know is getting married. Okay. You've booked your venue, caterers, photographer, all that good stuff. When it comes to live music, most people have no idea where to look. We have you covered. Picture this. During the ceremony, while guests are being seated, or while the bride's walking down the aisle. During the cocktail hour, while guests are just mingling and having a good time. Don't forget about dinner music. That's very important to set the mood while guests eat. And we definitely can't forget the party. Let's get the party started right now with The DNA Project. www.thednaproject.ca for more information. Hello, bonjour, and wagwan, everyone. Thank you for listening to the DNA Airways podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by The DNA Project, your entertainment agency. Want to learn more about this great company and what they do? Then please visit thednaproject.ca to find out more. This episode is also brought to you by The MPL, Toronto's modular film and audio studio. Please check out the-mpl, that's maple without the vowels, dot com for more details. Today we connect with Toronto native The Black Lotus, previously known as Andrina Mills. This talented singer, songwriter, producer, and DJ has collaborated with some of music industry's biggest stars such as Drake, Future, and DMX. She's also worked with Grammy Award-winning producers like Matthew Boy Wanda, Noah Forty Shabib, Hip Boy, and the legendary duo Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. She's also been nominated for several Juno Awards and is currently producing music and working on some exciting projects in fashion as well. We connected with her via the internet during the COVID-19 pandemic while she was home in Los Angeles to hear more about her humble beginnings, her metamorphosis from Andrina Mills to the Black Lotus, and the exciting path that she's on now. This is the DNA Airwaves. Yeah, so I'm so glad to have you on here and to be able to chat and catch up. It's been a really long time. It has been. Thanks for hitting me up. It's definitely been a, a while, you know, things, a lot of things has changed since I don't even remember the last time we were on the stage, man. <laughs> it's, been, it's been a long time. I it has Anyone been. Anyone remember? Ballpark? Oh, the last show we did, maybe oh, 2013, maybe? Yeah, maybe. Mm. Okay. Yeah. And, yeah. and you've been gone for a while, too. Yeah, almost three years. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, so it's definitely time's flying. Yeah, it has been. Time but it's, is flying. It's cool. It's cool to see how you've definitely. I feel like for you as well, being a musician and having you know the DNA and being able to like now convert it to podcast because I feel like there's so many musicians and so many instrumentalists in the city that you know need this kind of content. I think people don't recognize the musician as much as they the artist and the producers Great feel point. like, you know, very vital aspects of the, the sound and, you know, of course, you know, the live sets and that. So kudos yeah. to you, man. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. We've been, uh, been working hard and just trying to make it happen and make it happen for as many people around us as possible. Yes. And it's cool also just sharing the journey of artists like yourself. Yeah. So. Yeah, we're we're blessed to be able to chat. We're very blessed to be able to chat with you today. Thank um, you. So one of the most exciting parts of watching an artist over the span of their career, mm-hmm. for me at least, is the evolution that takes place. Um, so many different changes. Um, but 
I want to know what took place for you as you left behind your, your former image and, and evolved. <laughs> I guess you're going to have to explain that whole process too, but you evolved, I can say, into the Black Lotus. Yes. Um, can you kind of tell us about that? And if you are open, tell us, um, I guess, who Andrina Mill yeah. is and was and who is the Black Lotus. The Black Lotus. Yeah. Um, I feel like the evolution definitely began when I started to take my career into my own hands. And I feel like it's always been in my own hands, but I think, I mean, being in this industry for a long time, starting off in a girls group and then eventually leaving and then, you know, being injury to mill, yeah. there was definitely like, you know, mentors and people who would inspire me to do this or wear this or sing this, you know? Mm, yeah. But I feel like after a while, as you get older and you realize, okay, you're not this like 13 year old girl that needs to take instructions all the time. You know, it's, you get mm. older and you start to, you know, refine your taste, refine your sound, refine your interests and your audience. And I think True. that's when the change really like spoke to me. And I've, I feel like I've always been the Black Lotus, but I think it was a part of me that I kind of pushed down because people weren't trying to hear a Black female from Toronto who can sing and rap and mm -hmm. produce. It was just like, no, you can only do one thing. So just do that. Exactly. And I feel like that kind of stunted my growth as an artist earlier on in my career. So now I'm wow. doing that more now as being like myself all the way around, like you're doing producing majority of my music, writing everything and rapping and singing and doing what I love to do. So Amazing. that evolution really had to happen because I felt like I was kind of being put in a box and I needed to stay there and I didn't want to do that anymore. So that was really, I guess, the catalyst to changing and breaking out the black lotus for real for real <laughs> you know and do you feel you had to leave canada to do that or yeah i feel like there was a, a lot of things had transpired prior to me leaving like i had been working towards getting a work visa for a few years but i still had to you know build my catalog and build my I guess my identity as an artist before I could actually qualify. But right. the same year that I applied for my work visa, um, my mom was diagnosed with cancer and oh, no. the oh, exact same year. So it was like a very odd time where even when my visa was approved, I stayed because she was so ill. But then yeah. afterwards I left and I felt like I needed to be out of the city, not just to kind of, I wasn't running away from anything, but I felt like I needed a new start. I needed to kind of see how my life would be in a new place that I have grown to love because I love LA. I've been here many times, been going back and forth for years, but to finally like put some roots here, I've been able to find my team that I've been missing for years, a team of people that I can really depend on and would give wow. me honest criticism. And now I have yeah. Black Lotus Media Group and that's the company that um, I've co-founded with my best friend who's also a rapper and we have an entire video crew. We got graphic artists, we have other artists. Yeah. So it's just, you know, it's been, a, it's been a slow climb, but moving to LA was definitely a, a leap that I needed to do in order to start pushing my talents and my creativity forward, you know, cause Toronto, sometimes they put a cap on people when it comes to your creativity. And I didn't want to do that. I feel like LA is like, do whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> so, exactly. You have this freedom of being and doing whatever you want and they don't look at you crazy. Cause this is a crazy place. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, um, it's interesting 
how the city has been able to, you know, understand me and embrace me. So I'm appreciative of that. It's also unfortunate for Canadians like yourself that can't mm-hmm. get that opportunity where they're from. It's yeah. the fact that you had to go all, all the way out to L.A. to kind of try and really pursue what you wanted to pursue with music because the Canadian scene wasn't really allowing you to kind of fully develop in who you want to be. It, 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 it's not, unfortunately, like something we don't hear that often. It happens a lot. And I, do you have any suggestions on how the Canadian music scene could kind of fix that for the future or what we could do as like artists to kind of really help people mm-hmm. not have to leave in order to be who they really want to be? Oh, wow. I feel like, man, I've been in the Canadian market for years and I feel like the yeah. Toronto and um, and I think it stems from the multiculturalism. A lot of people having parents who are immigrants or first generation Canadians and from around the world. I feel like what America has above Canada when it comes to that, when you have black Americans in the South, they've been there for so long. People in New York, they've been there for so long in California, same thing. So they already have this like rooted culture with this infrastructure of the music that they can stand upon and have strength within it. I think because we have so many people from Canada, I mean, we have artists like Pressa and Nav and like Drake and like, you know, all these artists from different backgrounds that are doing almost the same type of music, but they're all from different places. And I think that's not a problem, but it's just showing that Toronto's industry is still so young and we still have so much more to give from the creative standpoint, but the executive standpoint's gotta come through as well. We're breeding artists left, right and center, but we're not breeding enough executives. We're not breeding enough people who are in the buildings that look like us and talk like us and understand the culture that can make the moves that need to be made. I think that's the biggest problem. And I I totally agree with you. I think that the, at the executive level, they're still kind of ignorant to our culture, especially when it comes to, you know, uh, black R and B and hip hop artists. They're not really familiar with it. And I think that it could start with some of the elder statesmen that have been in the scene, like (laughs) black people that have, you know, maybe pursued music in the past to really help educate or get positions, I guess, not even help yeah. anymore. They, they need seats at the board. They need executive positions to help everyone understand what we need as black artists in this country. And I think you're right. Yep. It starts at the executive level and trickles down. Um, would you ever consider coming back and kind of starting oh, some type yes. of yeah, movement in Toronto? Yeah, like with most definitely. Yeah, I feel like my goal with um, the Black Lotus Media Group is to really be able to tie in, you know, the creatives that I know in Toronto with the creatives that I know that are in L.A. and that are in Atlanta and, and really just bridge the gap between everybody because I feel like I'll meet artists who are like, oh, I don't have a stylist, so I don't have a photographer. And I'm like, what? But you're signed to a major label. How do you not have somebody that you can just call to say, hey, I need to do this or like, or just assistance for things that need to, you know, um, just bring things together or or shed light on stuff and shed light on stuff. And they don't have that. But in Toronto, I know like six stylists I can call in a minute. And say, right, hey, <laughs> what do you need? Yeah. You know, and and yeah. I think that's just a blessing of being from a city where everybody is just tapped into their art and not looking for a million dollars every time. And I'm not yeah. saying that artists shouldn't be paid or creatives shouldn't be paid, but there's a different hunger from Canadian artists and a different hunger from the 
creatives that live here. So that's really my goal is to kind of connect the dots between the two. That's know? great. Yeah. But I would I definitely hope, yeah. come back and do something for sure. I love that. I love that. And I mean, that's a great answer. That's exciting for us. We would love to have you back. Yeah. You're welcome back anytime. <laughs> Open arms. Um, so we kind of jumped. I mean, I, there's a lot that we still want to talk about. But we kind of jumped uh, right like into the middle of your career or like, mm-hmm. closer to now. <laughs> Let's maybe just rewind quickly just so we can get some uh, insight and context. How did you even get started in music? Um, I got started in, well, my dad is a musician, so he was always the person like playing and my mom well my dad was a musician but my mom was the one that was always playing music around the house so it was something that i was really just born into but on a mm. professional level um i was actually at school one day and and i was in detention class and i had a, a supply <laughs> teacher who was like what are you writing in your book and i was like i'm writing songs i'm sick you know just being a crazy kid wow. in grade five and he was like really and he, funny enough, was also an actor and had been in several mm-hmm. movies and did a lot of work in L.A. And he's like, well, I know a few people. And he started introducing me to um, different management teams. And that's when it got started. So my first big thing was like auditioning for 3LW before it even became 3LW. And then right. wow. because I wasn't an American, I couldn't stay. And when I got back, mm-hmm. that's when I joined Exquisite. So that's wow. when everything kind of started. So it was pretty early on in my life, you know, 12, 13 years old, traveling and Young, yeah. being able to like, you know, be in studios and meet different writers and producers. Yeah. So that's really where it stemmed from just, you know, my supply teacher. It's <laughs> really where it started. And when did you kind of start dabbling into producing your own music? Oh, um, I say from the beginning, okay. because I really started writing music at around 12. And because I played piano, it was something that just came hand in hand. Mm. So I started, but it didn't, when it came to like on a professional level of producing, it wasn't until uh, the Exquisite Project. Yeah, I started producing on the actual first album. A lot of people don't know, like I produced on the first Exquisite album, wow. wrote wow. a lot of the first album. And um, I guess because the group had disbanded prior to the release of the project, so there was like different people on the cover and things like that. Um, uh, a lot of that just kind of fell to the wayside. So, and I guess because it was weird how everything kind of fell apart, it was never something that I felt proud of until I got older and realized what I was doing at that age, you know? Yeah. Wow. That's, uh, it's interesting how you had that teacher in fifth grade <laughs> and kind of mentioned LA and had those connections there. And that's kind of where you ended up now. Did you at the time have dreams of being in that place or in yes. the States or anything? Oh, hundred yeah. percent. As soon as I got off the plane, I was like, Oh my man. It was like, <laughs> it was as soon as I, I was 12 and I never forget, I got off the plane and it was like, the sun was going down. I just saw it was just beautiful. And I'm like, I'm going to live here. This is where I want to be. And it took wow. some time, but, you know, definitely manifested it. So I'm here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What was the wow, hardest I'm, part I'm about moving out to LA? Sorry, the best part? Yeah. Um, besides the weather, I feel like just being able to be in close proximity to people that I, I wanting, I've been wanting to work with or like, just, you know, you can be on the street and bump into like Lil Boozy or just, you know, just random things. But, <laughs> but it's for me more of LA is a different 
it's a it's the energy that I feel Toronto needs. You know, oh, okay. people are here and they are not holding back on their creativity and not holding back on shining their light. And I think mm. um, Toronto sometimes people get into this mindset where they fear that if they shine too bright it might be a bad thing or if they you know or they're worried about other people's insecurities and i think that we have to learn to embrace each other in toronto more and start you know shedding light on other artists more and really helping each other more to create an infrastructure that is as strong as being in hollywood you know everybody knows hollywood for being that place where you can come and like really change your life and Toronto's that place too, but we just haven't gotten there yet. So you've been listening and probably heard me say the DNA project to your entertainment agency and wondered, what does that even mean? Well, let me tell you. The DNA project is essentially your one-stop shop for all of your live music needs. Anything from a corporate gala, large or small weddings, recording sessions, or even just a romantic guitar serenade for a loved one, they got you covered. Not only that, they make the process so simple that it really takes the stress out of planning. Check them out online, thednaproject.ca. Bam. What, um, what needs to change for Canadian artists to be able to thrive within Canada, would you say? Um, a lot, I feel, within, with other artists, collaborating with other artists, other artists being unafraid to share their journeys and the realities of this industry. I think there's a lot of smoke and mirror games. I think there's a lot mm. of, yeah. you know, people pretending to be living a lifestyle that they're not living. But yeah. I mean, if wow. we're talking yeah. about streaming numbers, if we're talking about like, you know, the things that are really going on with the labels, we know yeah. what the reality is. So I think it's coming mm. to this realization, like guys, we have the capabilities of being New York, Atlanta, and LA, how do we do this? And I think it starts with the creatives coming together and being unafraid to share and being unafraid to barter and, um, you know, it'll uplift each other oh. without hesitation. Yeah. Wow. And that happens a lot in LA? It's not competitive out there? It is very competitive, but I feel like, I've been able to, and, and not just me, like even we did a, a writer's camp last year and it was, I was living here and another producer was already living here and they flew out a, no eight other artists from Canada oh, wow. to LA. And I feel like just being in the room with that energy of Toronto, but being in LA, I'm like, this is the perfect combination, right. you know, of, mm. of that, of that feeling of the sound and that energy from Toronto, but then being in a place where everybody's like uplifting each other. Now, if I'm in Toronto and that writer's camp had happened, I'm sorry. I don't know if there's, I don't know if the turnout would have been the same. I don't know if the mm. energy would have been the same because I wow. feel like people in Toronto, we are unfortunately put in the position where we think that there's scarcity and we think uh, that there's not enough to yeah. go around, but there Grabs is. In the yep. Yeah, but I don't, it's not us. I don't believe it's us. I once again bring it back to the executive level. It's, right. I believe they're the ones that make it seem like, all right, guys, one rapper at a time, yeah. one mm. singer at a time. That's not the case. And in LA, you know, right. I've walked into rooms and they embrace you because you're from Toronto and because we have the sound and because we have this vibe. Right. So I think Toronto just needs to recognize, you know, who we are and what we come with and just embrace each other. That's You're you right, know. yeah. I mean it's happening slowly, mm -hmm. but you're right about that. It seems like 
even the way that we see ourselves, it's kind of a one at a time, wait for your yeah. turn kind of thing, right? Yeah. We don't generally have multiple breakout artists doing things across different genres at the same time here either. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's that's interesting. The um, did you find that sort of resistance here? Because I know you mentioned that there's a lot of support in LA. Did you find yeah. the opposite when you were here in Toronto? No, Toronto was definitely the birth of Andrew Mill. You know, I yeah. when I started off, like the city embraced me, and I was like, wow, like you know, I never, I didn't know that people were paying attention. And then when I realized they were, and the support that I had, it was different from the artists that I knew and supported that came before me. Like Toronto gotcha. slowly opening up more to our own and our own sound. So coming up, there was some resistance in the beginning. Um, and that was mainly from people who were doing things in the old school way and didn't want to see the city grow. Yeah. But amongst right. my peers, amongst other musicians, amongst other artists, no, I feel like they welcomed me with open arms. So that was, you know, it's definitely politics a lot of times when it comes to that, mm. when it comes to the industry, right. you know, not the music. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for clarifying that. I guess it sounds like there's kind of a glass ceiling almost sort of effect yeah. when you're coming from Toronto, right? Yeah. Um, so also, I wanted you to mention or talk about something else here because you mentioned collaborations and support. Uh, can you tell us about some of the major collaborations you've done? I'm going to name a few of them. I hope you don't mind. Yeah, I don't um, <laughs> you've collaborated with people like Drake, Future, French, Montano, DMX, yeah. Johnny Gill. Yeah. Um, the list goes, seems to go on as well. So how did some of those opportunities come to be and what impact have they had on you as an artist? Um, I think every situation has been different. Um I feel like with when it came down to the stuff that I did with Drake, that was just a bunch of kids in the room trying to make dope music. You know, we were all just vibing and creating and the songs that we did together, like there's plenty more, but the ones that were released, those were the few that were like a feeling that Toronto needs to hear. And that's why those records came out. Cause we actually recorded them twice. Um, Last mm. Hope, uh, Closer and what's the other one? I can't remember. But anyways, we recorded them twice. And um, that's because he wanted to do something that was different and right. kind of mm. representative of the city and where we were going. Um, how it's changed, it changed, I think, because especially with him being like breakthrough first of Toronto, people were paying attention to everybody that was in close proximity. So right. for me being close sure. within that camp and, and knowing it helped me to grow and build, you know, and eventually like, do a publishing deal and things like that. So that was major, you know, and shout out to Boy yeah, Wonder and Drake for yeah. that because, you know, these guys Amazing. were definitely super talented, super young and knew where they were going. Um, right. The DMX situation, funny enough, was random. I was sitting in my living room and I'm seeing DMX on this music video on BT, and I'm like, wait a second, that's my voice. Hold up. <laughs> and he, and the funny thing is, is that he had found the song not knowing it was Drake and hit up Rich Kid who produced it. And that was the last Hope record and was like, hey, oh. can I flip this? And he did a whole music video 
And I'm sitting in my living room with my mom and my dad. I'm like, what is going on here? And then I went to work a couple of days later and he called me on the phone. And, and then I'm like, wow. yeah. And he called me and was like, I need a couple more records. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second, who's this? <laughs> it was so random. Like, it was so random. And then we ended up doing um, Cold World and No Love for the DMX. Mm. Um, oh, don't quote me on this. Is it the Evolution album? I can't remember. My memory's not great. But anyways, yes, the DMX project, that really just came out from him finding that record. Crazy. And I think it's funny, a lot of the collaborations I've done have been people finding me. Like I did a record with Saigon and that's because he found the original version and was like, I want to do my own version of your song. And French Montana was wow. the same thing. Like we did Raining in Harlem. Sorry, we did Raining in Toronto and then we ended up doing Raining in, in Harlem with Dame Greason. Oh, French cool. Montana and the future that's stuff crazy. was the same thing. Found me on YouTube singing some future records and just like it's wow. I, people just tend to find me. I don't know how, but a lot of these times that's how these collaborations grow, you know, just staying online and people finding Organic. me. Yeah. <laughs> just you know. So yeah. Well, just yeah, just putting yourself out there, I guess, is one of the I guess one of the big takeaways from that yes, for myself, for sure. least, right? You got to be available. Yeah. I don't know how I hear these stories. How DMX just calls you, and I'm just how? How do these people get your number? He, they have <laughs> crazy ass. He got my number. It's funny thing is he got my number from Rich Kid, and I didn't even know any of this stuff was going on, like oh. at all. And then he, because actually when I saw the video on BET, I called Rich Kid and I was like, "Do you know about this?" And he was like not really <laughs> like what do you mean not really <laughs> and then and that's when i mean we didn't really speak about it it was cool i didn't really care it was more of just like this is dope i love dmx and yeah, then he called sure. me at work <laughs> and uh yeah and that kind of really just changed my mentality when it came to production and, and writing because having to sit down and craft two records for him alongside snaz was definitely mm. something that we were like oh my god okay we're recording and creating for Dark Man X. <laughs> what do we do? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it was it was really really interesting, but a, 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 you know, I guess that crazy, yeah, yeah, you know, showing me I was in the right place, doing what I needed to do. I loved your impression of him, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, man, he's he, the way that he raps is the way that he talks. <laughs> it's it's crazy. It's cool though, <laughs> real cool guy. You do awesome. so much different. Um, aspects just like you write you sing you produce you play instruments is there mm -hmm. one aspect of the process that you feel more comfortable doing like do you would you rather write songs for dmx or rather write songs for yourself you know hmm, funny enough i i like to produce for other people but okay. i prefer to write for myself because oh. i feel like there's things that i do naturally that are just signature to me that if I try to say, hey, do this run like this, people are like, what? This doesn't make sense right. to me. But yeah. if I do it, it makes sense to them. So I think that right. if I can if I can bring something else out of myself that can allow somebody else to shine in a better way, it might not be my writing. It might not be my melodies. It could be something else. So for sure, I feel like I take great photos of people more <laughs> than, you know, other things. So it's just, you know, I try not to... I try not to lean too much into the things that I feel I need to work on then. What, so, yeah. Would you feel comfortable telling us what you feel you need to work on? Um, I feel like it's always a growing process. I feel like yeah. my writing capability 
has grown tremendously in the just being in LA, you know, and I've always been a writer, but I know in the past three years, my writing has gotten better. I know in the past six months, my production has gotten better that I I just, it's always a learning process for me. So I'm never going to feel like I'm a master at a craft. It's just, you know, it's, there's always room for improvement, you know, for sure. Do you find (laughs) that during the COVID-19 situation that you focused more on your writing and producing? Oh yeah. A thousand percent. I feel like COVID-19 really shook a lot of creatives and, um, allowed us to really take the time to step back and think about like, all right, we're no longer running this rat race or whatever it is people do in their day-to-day lives. Now we have to sit with ourselves and decide, okay, what is it that you really want to do? And I think COVID-19 for me and a few other musicians that I was speaking to about this, it kind of shifted my perspective of do I want to be in sessions all day, night, all day and all day and all night writing for other people? Or do I want to sit in a studio and record for myself and yeah. build myself, you know, because right now right. it's different. You know, I can sit and write for other people, but is the, is the label going to put the record out? Right. True. Maybe, maybe not. Is it going to be album with 14 other tracks to pick on? Like for me being an artist and also a songwriter, I decided I needed to notice all of the attention during COVID-19 to, I finished my project. I've been shooting videos. I finally started nice. I'm beginning to launch my clothing line. So COVID reminded me why I came to LA. It wasn't just to sit and write and produce for other people, even though I can, but I I needed to show my artistry. So in a way it was kind of like a blessing and a curse, you know, and I know a lot of people have felt that way about COVID-19, like really bringing the best out of them by showing them or or putting them in their worst positions, you know, to bring out the best. True. Yeah. It's powerful. What about you guys? <laughs> I want to know. <laughs> COVID-19. What did COVID-19 do to you? <laughs> I feel that it, it helped me a lot. Like you said, really focusing on what matters in life and and uh, helped me really stop worrying about things that didn't really, really matter in the day-to-day. What really matters is, True. you know, what am I working on personally? Like I want to be personally better for myself and for everyone around me and just making mm-hmm. sure that every day I'm attacking a lot of the goals that we have in business and in, you know, health and strength or whatever. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. Yeah. Health was a major thing. Yeah. Big as time. well, major, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I echo those words. I've definitely uh, taken advantage of the time available and just really sat back and realized that even if we're not busy doing some of the things that we had planned on being busy doing, mm-hmm. we still have to find a way to, you know, moving. make use of the time. Yeah, not look. I don't want to look back and nah. regret not making the best of this time for family, personal, oh yeah, business, all those things. So yeah, I mean, we started this podcast during COVID. So Yay! One of the one of the many blessings that's out of amazing. this, if it's fair to say that. Um, yeah, can you tell us a little bit more about your creative process? Um, you mentioned writing groups and yes. is that what you call it? Writing, yeah, whatever like you call that. With multiple writing people. camps, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, how does how does something like that work for people who have never been a part of that, and especially for like vocalists or yeah. people who are writing at home who have never worked with anybody who still have that dream? What's that about? What's a writing camp? Is it something that you would recommend? Sure. I yeah. feel like every person who is a aspiring songwriter, even an aspiring artist should, you know, get together with 
their peers are people that they are inspired by and can work closely with and create. And I feel like these writing camps, when you get thrown in a room with 10 other writers that you've never worked with and either know their work or don't know their work, you start to learn things and Mm -hmm. the things that you know people pick up on and it just elevates your sound. It elevates the way that you're able to communicate words through writing. You know, sometimes I I might say something one way, but then another person hears it and says, no, we should say it this way. And then it it rolls off the tongue better or mm. say something this way and it, it helps your breath control better. So there's just, I feel like if you can get or even create your own writing groups with people that you know who are writers, you should do them because there's things that you might do as a writer that sometimes become bad habits or things that you do as a writer that, you know, become cyclical. You start repeating things, but then you have others that call you up mm. and say, try this or I... Mm-hmm. comes to writing I, like, sometimes an idea comes to me and I'll like write it in my phone and I'll just write the whole idea like I'm talking to somebody and then I'll yeah. sit in front of you know my computer freestyle some melodies and I start applying this story or you know these words mm-hmm. and that's kind of how I how I do it but I love working with other writers because I feel like it gives you another perspective of looking at a song you know, not yeah, the way you sense. see it, but the way other people are seeing this end result. You know? Yeah. And do you typically then start off by writing lyrics or does it depend on your mood or what you have, like your end goal? Um, usually it starts with the beat or just a piano loop mm. I usually start with. And then okay. like I like to complete a song over like the most minimal amount of music because then you have the mm. melody which is one, one strong counterpart. And then you have um, a melody is in the music aspect. And then you have the words and the vocals. And if those things are the two strongest pieces of me, all you need to do is add the little things all around and then you yeah. complete it. I think sometimes people start with these dramatic, huge songs, which could be cool. You know, you start with a bunch of yeah. music and then you have to write on top of it. But then sometimes you get lost in the essence of what is the feeling. That's just how I personally like to create. So most of our fans are aware of the fact that each episode is recorded at the MPL studio in Toronto, but we don't ever actually speak about the facilities. So let me take a few seconds just to tell you quickly about this great space. The MPL is essentially three studios in one. There's a film space, audio post-production suite, and a full-scale recording studio that are all integrated under one roof to allow anyone to work on multiple components of a film or audio production. So you could make a movie, have a photo shoot, record a podcast, and completely produce and record your own song. Even live stream it if you want. All in one facility. Call one for the mpl that's Maple without the vowels, and let them uh, hear about your next project. They'd love to let you know how they can help. You had discussed earlier that you had actually started a clothing line. Can you tell us a little yes. bit about that? It's amazing. <laughs> I, um, <laughs> thank you. Um, well, since the beginning of my like, beginning of my career, my mom she was a professional seamstress, so she was making bridal gowns and things like that. But I would always be like, "Mom, I need this dress," and I would show her a picture, and she'd make it identical. Oh, wow. So it was always something that in my in my career and in my life, you know, as a girl growing up, having my mother create these outfits that only me and my sisters had, yeah. and. That was something I felt was cool, you know, like, right, you know, and, and, um, 
as I got older, it was always something that I incorporated into my, I guess, my brand as Andrea Mill and as the Black Lotus. But then obviously when she passed, that changed. So fast forward now three years and I've always known how to sew. I've done fashion shows in high school and things like that. But it was always something that I've wanted to do. Like I want to have a clothing line. This is something that I've always dreamed of. And COVID really was like, all right, sit down in front of the sewing machine. And I just started sewing again and creating again. And, And now I'm like, deep in this collection <laughs> and I'm, I'm really excited about it because it's it's things that you know growing up in this industry sometimes stylists will bring things to me that I was just like uncomfortable wearing and didn't yeah. want to wear and I'm very conscious of that and other women especially now because everything tends to be so body calm yeah. but women should be wear whatever they want and feel free and feel sexy or not have to feel sexy, but feel calm. and that's what I wanted to bring True. with black water luxury um, right mainly for women at the moment but really finding ways where we can be luxurious and not have to spend a lot of money and you know just pieces that make sense all around simple things that's kind of the goal for black water luxury coming in 2021 oh, okay <laughs> looking forward yeah, I can't wait. <laughs> do you plan so, on doing any male uh male stuff because i definitely oh yes i do i have plans i'm just taking i'm just taking it one step at a time but um oh, yeah, for yeah. sure i've definitely you know my mom used to make all my dad's stage outfits so wow. that's something that wow. you know i definitely know a lot about as well when it comes to men clothing so that's down the line Got the fellas covered. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, when you were growing up, who were some of your like influences, or who would you say influenced you the most? If you could give us some of the artists that you grew up listening to, oh, and even I wow. guess also, yeah, I want to know in fashion because I now know that you're uh, deep in the fashion game. Who are some of your like fashion role models, either whether what they're wearing or the designer? Um. So for music, I feel like obviously Michael and Whitney and Brandy were like my early on obsessions. And then I got into like a lot of, you know, Stevie Wonder, and Sam Cooke and, you know, a lot of old school music because of my parents. Mm-hmm. But then when I went to high school, my high school was in a totally different location, you know, like South Etobicoke. So then I was started to get introduced to like you know, R.E.M. and Nirvana and Radiohead. And that's when the whole like rock influence really started to like, I started to dive like head first into it and, you know, learning about artists like Bjork and just studying the music. And then, um, you know, as I got older and my my dad does reggae music, so that was always something running through my veins. So the influences came from everywhere when it came to music. Um, Fashion, I feel like, uh, a lot of, you know, the 90s fashion within the Diddy world, you know, like everything <laughs> yeah. that was the bad boy. Yeah. <laughs> like, I loved all of that, like baby fat, fat farm, fubu, yeah, like yeah. all of that stuff was was so dope to me. But it wasn't until I got older that I started to pay attention to like couture lines, but not in a sense of like, I just want a Chanel bag or not yeah, like that. Yeah, it was yeah. more of like, how <laughs> are they constructing these things? Because for my mother dresses so I, I started studying like you said Laurent put together these ideas what is it that they're looking at to create you know um these amazing pieces and then Dapper Dan you know definitely a legend in Harlem yeah. bringing the designers and bringing that streetwear together you know in the 90s and the 2000s 
that was huge for me because it was kind of like, wow, you're seeing somebody that's taking something that wasn't really for us and mm-hmm. and us just running with it. Now we got Gucci Mane. We got yeah, all these yeah. that um that are just running forward. And then of course, you know, I feel like Rihanna is a huge inspiration now for me to see Fenty and to see Kanye with Yeezy and of course Beyonce with Ivy Park and you know, they had House of Darion before with her mother, and that was yep. very much along the lines of like what I was, I what I wanted to create with my mom. So that's why I felt like black water luxury was important. But these were always major influences from when I was young because I was surrounded with that, with my father making music and my mom making these like amazing pieces. So it was cool that's to see them come together. Oh, that's great. That's incredible. Yeah, that's uh, I mean, really uh, inspiring just to. Just to hear or to see your progress where you are now and just to kind of hear how you uh, inherited both sides of yeah. this creativity from your parents is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd love to hear that. We're looking forward to everything you're doing. I can definitely see how creativity seems to breed creativity mm. during this time, especially um, with you writing more and now you know taking a step into the fashion world is is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, have you ever questioned direct the direction of any of these ideas, like whether it be your music or anything else projects that you're working on? Every day, all day. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm kidding. I feel like I feel like every creative and every artist is like, I shouldn't be doing this. You know, you get these yeah. these um, these days of doubt and these days of like, you know, contemplating like maybe I shouldn't be doing this. But then I look yeah. at it and I'm like. Mm-hmm. No, I should be because there's been so many things in my career that if it wasn't just, I'm not even going to say coincidence, this is not, I believe, why these things have happened because they're just so like, I've had the same teacher and the one time I have, you know, a supply teacher, he's the guy, <laughs> you know, my teacher right, was yeah. never sick. And and then the one time we have a supply teacher and everyone's like, yeah, Mr. Deacon's gone. And then we have this guy, and he, <laughs> you know, sets it off for me. So it's like, it's, they're not Incredible. coincidences. And these are the reasons why for me, sometimes I feel like every artist goes to their days of doubt, but I know what I want to do. So kind of changes. Speaking, how, how, speaking of doubt, I guess, what kind of advice would you give someone say if you could talk to yourself 15 years ago leaving toronto deciding to go to la basically re you know re what do you what's the word re uh not refining rebranding rebranding yeah i guess Mm rebranding yourself what kind of uh advice would you give an artist that's kind of having the difficulty staying true to themselves or even just trying to find a lane in this industry feel like I would suggest to any artist, pay attention to the people who you trust the most, whether it's your Mm -hmm. mom or your father or your your close family members, and see how they view what you do. If they don't support it, if they're not really, you know, believing in you as much, find out why. And if they do support you and do believe in you, then that means that they're seeing the vision that you see. And I think it's important because this is not the type of industry that is short term if you're planning on doing music and on top of that it's also something that is not for a person who doesn't have a good support system or a weak mindset because there's a lot of people in this industry who will take money not do anything 
sell you mm-hmm. dreams, you know, mm-hmm. and just and take advantage of you. And I think you need to have a close around you that you can trust that are going to guide you in the right way. And when you ask the questions you need to ask, there's not a response of defense, but a response of like, okay, well, why did you ask this question? What is it that you are wondering? And situations with management where I wasn't allowed to ask any questions. And that is the problem. As an artist, you need to be able to ask questions. You need to say, well, if this is coming out of my budget, how am I recouping this? Am I paying for this? Is this, you know what I mean? Like people need to be able to have full transparency. And I think sometimes we get caught. Well, if you ask too many questions when I'm not paying for this and you're not going to be a star, just listen, just listen. Yes, you must listen, but you also got to learn and learn the reasons why, you know? So I think... I feel like people just need to stay true to themselves, but also to educate themselves on history because it's just like being an architect or being a worker, a nurse. You got to learn the details of the job and the industry is the same thing. You got to learn where this money funnels through, who collects the checks, who pays for this and, you know, what you can actually make and how to get your career to the next level. So constant education constant education that's absolutely yeah yeah that's uh some amazing words um so you've done so much i'm i'm amazed i'm so proud to to know you and to know what you've been up to and hey thank you (laughs) but i know you have a lot more in you so can you tell us i don't know how much you can share but let us know some of your biggest milestones that you still want to achieve i still want to achieve I want to. I I feel like I've released projects that have been, you know, viewed in Canada. I definitely want to put out mm. a project that the world can see, um, an album that the world can see, and and collaborate with all in the United States and then also around the world. Like I'd like to go to Africa and collaborate over there, and in the UK, the artists over there. I mean, I've worked with some artists from the UK, but I've definitely want to keep expanding and growing and then eventually being able to teach other artists about you know financial literacy within this industry because i think that's the one thing that people get you know screwed over in whether it's doing bad deals or not knowing what to do with their money once they do a deal and like all of these other things um but education like i've done some mentoring in and panels i would definitely want to share my so that people can and learn and gates of Toronto can remain open so people can run through and live and, you know, be my state the industry. Absolutely. That's definitely very important. Yeah. Incredibly important. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's amazing. Um, we're going to let you run. We really, really appreciate you taking the time today. Definitely. I know Thank you're so busy. Much for having me. Yeah. It's been definitely a appreciate it. conversation. Yeah. Thanks so much. Uh, I, th- I hope that this really helps somebody yes, uh, coming up following your footsteps. I know it will. I know it's, it's helped me. Um, let people know where to find you. We want to know where to find all things to do with the Black Loaded. Um, you can find can me. Uh, see the new clothing line come out. Sorry. Oh, yes. That's that's January. That's January 2021. Um, I'm, I'm definitely very, when it comes to social media, anyone can hit me up. I'm LTS, Instagram, um, Twitter, Facebook. It's kind of all the same. And like, feel free to hit me up, contact me. If any questions, you know, any anything, you know, when it comes to aspiring artists who are looking for information, how I can help them, definitely help. Yeah. Awesome. 
Thanks a lot. Amazing. I can't wait Thanks to see so much. what you Thanks. do in the future. And if you ever plan on coming back to Toronto, we'd love to have you. When when you come yeah, back when, to Toronto. Yes, right. yes. Uh, when, right. when, most definitely. Is, is Toronto open? COVID still kind of closed? No venues? Our studio is like open that? right now. Okay. Venues, not so but much. Man. Not so no. much. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's going to have to be a virtual we'll show. <laughs> yeah. We'll we'll live stream right here. Sure. But best of luck to you guys again on the Thank you. Thank you. Looking forward to seeing more. All right, stay safe and stay blessed. You too, guys. Have a good day. As a podcaster, you know that great content is only half the battle. The other half is finding the right hosting platform to reach your audience. That's where Captivate comes in. With unlimited podcasts, advanced analytics, and personalized support, Captivate has everything you need to grow your audience and monetize your show. Join the thousands of successful podcasters just like us who trust Captivate for their hosting needs. Visit dnaairwaves.com Captivate today to start your free trial.